The Wilders. History. In the beginning, there were no clans. There were no witches. There was only us and our mother. The Horned Lady gave us birth from the bog, bringing us into an unforgiving world and raised us as her own children. She taught us survival. She taught us self-reliance. She taught us the twin pillars of freedom and loyalty that we have held dear to our hearts since those first dark days. We kept her law, the law of the bog, and followed where she led. Until one day she outpaced us and we could not track her down. She had gone, walked away from us, her children. Alone we did the only thing we could. We learned to stand on our own. We roamed the land, thriving on the challenges set before us. In time, some began to look to the magic that sprang from the bog like a weed. They sought to tame it, to understand its mysteries. They left their bands, first one, then another, then in droves, to settle on some plot where the magic was rich. A ley line, a promontory, a pool. We let them go. Our people have always been free to follow the path they choose. But soon they were no longer of our people. They became the witches, the clans, defining themselves by the magic they harnessed. We remained wild. They built their cities, honed their magic. We continued to wander, as we always have, keeping the ways of our mother as she'd taught them to us. We solved our problems through might, cunning, and finesse, needing no spells or rituals to survive. For this, the clans began to look down on us from the heights they'd risen to. Their superiority in magic seemed to them to be the ultimate peak. We did not care. We kept to our ways and roamed across the land, keeping our peace, keeping the balance. In time, the witching clans turned on one another, petty squabbles growing into vicious wars. We clung in vain to neutrality warning our fellow clans of the doom that was sure to come from their folly. But the hostility overflowed onto us like spilled blood. As the witches moved against their foes, they did so through us. Where once we were simply dismissed by the workers of magic, we became despised, disposable. Entire bands were wiped away, taking with them cultures that can never be regained. We defended ourselves in kind, and for the first time the clans saw us as a threat. They drew us into a war of their own making, born of their blind pride, and every time our people met theirs, we suffered for it. At last we drew a line. It was us and them, wilder against which, our very name reclaimed from the disdainful title they saddled us with. After generations of keeping to our own, we now hear that they have buried their hatchets. They seek to build an age of peace through the unity that we have kenned since the infancy of humanity. Do they intend to include us in their designs? We do not know, but this we do understand. We will honor our ways, the ways of the Horned Lady herself. The lives of our people will be preserved. As we always have, the Wilders will survive. The People Culture Wilders are grounded, hardy people. They wear the furs and hides of the creatures they hunt. They sleep in temporary camps, often packed up and moved with the migration of their band. Their histories and folklore are immortalized in stories and songs passed down from generation to generation in a rich oral tradition. Above all else, the Wilders take pride in their practicality, their valor, and their ability to survive the perils of the bog. They are unswervingly loyal to their bands, but also honor their loyalties to their own hearts. Personal freedom is highly prized, and every member of the band is thought to bring an individuality that enriches the group. By no means a monolith, each wilder band has their own unique way of life in the bog. 
While they all share the commonalities, nomadic lifestyle, reverence of the horned lady, upholding no magical tradition, the bands themselves are diverse in lifestyle, craft, and custom. Some bands forage and trap, living off the land. Some buy and sell goods from other bands or even the witching clans, becoming traders. Still others sail skiffs and haul barges across the waterways of the bog, fishing for food. This diversity is celebrated by the Wilders, and it is their belief that the greatest loss they endured in the breaking was that of the individual cultures practiced by the bands that were destroyed. Those who fall are honored as the venerated dead. The living pay tribute to their memories in story or song, while their bodies are returned to the bog from which humanity came. The dead are interred in barrows, mounted high with stones to deter scavengers, along with a variety of grave goods, typically the tools, weapons, and instruments they carried in life. This is done in deference to the individual role that the deceased played in the band. A favored wilder pastime is the romp. Allegedly a sport, the romp is part ball game and part melee. Rules vary from game to game, often made up on the spot. When a new rule is declared, the spectators are asked to uphold or deny it, and the volume of the cheers either for or against make that determination. The only consistent rule is that to win, one team must move a ball, boot, skull, knife, or other object from the middle of the playing field to a goal on the opponent's side. Name. To a wilder, their band is their family. As such, the name of their band is a surname as well. Given names will vary in sound from band to band, but are usually short and easy to pronounce. There are few titles among the wilders, only given to those with a level of authority. Leaders of the bands are given the honorific of Tyne. Examples are Idri of the Silver Thorns, Laka of the Wolfhounds, Tyne Caro of the Footpads. Among the 14 swords, there is a very specific naming convention. The swords are numbered, with each member taking on the number of the sword before them. Members of this band are either called by their full title or their number. Nothing less formal is permitted unless they give express approval. Thus you would have Riga, seventh of the fourteen swords, the seventh sword. Society. A wilder band is made up of people of varied interests and skill sets. Hunters, warriors, scouts, craftspeople, storytellers, physicians, and more. It takes every kind to make up a band, and diversity is valued as a source of strength. Nearly every wilder has at least some small amount of martial ability, as the need to protect oneself from the dangers of the bog is imperative. There are some that elevate this to a calling, devoting themselves to the protection of their band. Still others are the makers, the woodworkers, leatherworkers, weaponsmiths, crafting essential tools for trade and personal use. The hunters and fishers bring in the sustenance to feed the bellies of the band, while the storytellers and bards sing to feed the hearts. Everyone in the band has their role, and every one of those roles is considered necessary to the continued survival of the band all working alongside one another in an egalitarian community. None is seen as inherently greater or lesser than any other. Even the leaders of the bands have a saying, I am just one tine in the rack, referring to the antlers of the horned lady, and the need for every member of the band to do their part to support the band as a whole. Everyone works, everyone contributes, and everyone survives. Even the caretaking of children, the precious future of the band, is a shared endeavor. The belief that it takes a village is a prevalent one, and wilder children enjoy an upbringing with a dozen or so parental figures. 
Any wilder adult is expected to teach, discipline, and nurture all children in their midst. Children likewise look up to and respect their elders, typically awarding them the familiar title of uncle, aunt, or emme, even without a blood connection. Oral History Above every other deity, the Wilders honor the Horned Lady. She is the mother of humanity, and the Wilders revere her as such. For generations, they have striven to follow and preserve the ways she taught them, and in return, they hold a special place in her heart as her favored children. In prayer, the Wilders even address her as mother, acknowledging that familial bond. She is the pillar around whom they rally, and where she leads, they follow. Though the Horned Lady vanished into the wilderness towards the end of the settling, leaving her children to fend for themselves, the Wilders bear her no ill will. They have faith that she left them behind so they might learn to grow up, to stand on their own two feet, to survive and thrive without their mother holding their hand. Some Wilders hold that the Horned Lady did not go far and is still watching them, that she stands ready to return either when she feels her children are fully independent or in their hour of greatest need. As a culture of warriors and nomads in an unforgiving landscape, the Wilders have faced and killed dozens of monsters. These tales are immortalized in an ever-growing song known as the Litany of Beasts. Each time a great and terrible foe is defeated, the storytellers compose a new verse, presenting the lengthened version of the Litany at the next juvenation for all to hear. In this way, the heroes of the past are honored for their mighty deeds. Many wilder youths seek the Burning Hound in hopes of being the one to add this creature to the litany of beasts, but none has ever been successful. As a culture with a rich oral history and tradition of storytelling as entertainment, the Wilders have a series of parables often told during social events. Many of these focus on the service of one to the whole, tall tales of a valiant trickster that stole a resource or a secret for their people, warnings of a lazy individual who was punished for his lack of contribution to the clan and heartwarming stories of a Wilder who believed themselves lost and alone only to find their place within a welcoming and loving band. All of these fables are meant to instill a sense of community in the listeners and to remind them that the band, as well as the Wilder clan as a whole, needs them in order to endure. The Structure Community Wilders are a nomadic clan, traveling the bog in regular circuits as they hunt, trap, forage, and trade. They are organized into bands, each one consisting of several extended family units. Grandparents, parents and their siblings, spouses thereof, and children. These bands are something like small clans, with common values and goals. Each band has their own traditions, ideals, and pursuits. Despite the close-knit nature of the bands, it is not unusual for a wilder to leave the band of their birth to seek out one that more closely aligns with their desires. It is not considered strange or shameful to leave one band for another. Personal freedoms are highly prized, and there is not a wilder alive that would criticize another for choosing the life that suits them best. That is not to say that their family members may not try to convince them to stay, but it would be with an emphasis on the needs of the band, and if it was their true desire to leave, none would stand in their way. When a wilder comes of age, on that day they are expected to do the thing they want to be known for. If they wish to be a hunter, they hunt. If they are to be a warrior, they raid rival bands or train their fighting skills. If their ambition is to be a leader, they spend the day in conference with members of their band, seeking to understand the hardships they are facing and how best to relieve them. In this way, wilder youths announce to their communities the path they have chosen for their life and the role they wish to embody within the band. Every spring, 
Wilders of every band gather for a festival known as the Juvenation. This is a time for Wilders to be reminded of their commonality, of the things that make them Wilders, as well as to celebrate the variety between different groups. It is a time for trading among the bands, exchanging news, storytelling, martial contests, and feasting. Their opening ceremony is a call for those who have survived the winter to make some noise, and the response to this call is a veritable roar. Notably, this is the time where tines of each band meet to discuss their needs and concerns for the coming year. It is also a time for changes in leadership. Sitting tines may be challenged for the right to lead, and aspirants to the Fourteen Swords may at this time do battle with a member for the right to join the band. Authority. Wilder bands are, for the most part, independent units. Each is led by a respected head person known as the Tyne, the strongest and wisest, as decided by single combat between those who would rule. The Tyne serves until death or until challenged by one who believes they are more fit to lead the band. These challenges are typically held during the juvenation, but if a new Tyne needs to step up due to an emergency, bands often see little reason to wait. It is up to the Tyne to guide and direct their band. It is the Tyne who chooses to trade or to make war, the Tyne who decides the path that the band will travel, and the Tyne who sits in judgment of wrongdoers. The Tyne is the ultimate voice of authority in the band. Their word is law and their commandments are followed. There is one band among the Wilders that is more venerated and held to a higher standard than the others, the Fourteen Swords. Formed during the height of violence in the breaking and drawn from the strongest warriors of the clan, it is the duty of the Fourteen Swords to protect all Wilders against the greatest threats of the bog. A band of just fourteen, the only way to become a member of this band is to defeat a sitting member in single combat to the death. Never in the history of the band has a member fallen outside of one of these duels or of old age. Members of the Fourteen Swords always fall to their successors in time and are remembered with honor. The Work Economy. In times of old, the Wilders were go-betweens for the four other clans, bringing goods to trade from one to the other. It was also common for them to be hired by witches to combat creatures of the bog, given their might and tenacity. However, since the breaking, the Wilders have withdrawn their support from the witching clans and become insular, reserving their trade for other Wilder bands. Nowadays, anything that the band produces is shared equally among its members. Everyone has their role. Hunters, trappers, and fishers gather not just for themselves, but for the needs of their band, ensuring that everyone gets first before anyone gets seconds. Smiths and craftspeople of all trades work to create a surplus of goods that may be drawn from by anyone with a skill to offer in payment. If everyone adheres to their role and utilizes their skills for the good of the band, then no one need worry about going hungry, naked, or unarmed. Trade between bands is slightly different. While the goods traded within the band are done so with a bent towards equivalent exchange for the survival of the whole, trade between bands is often done with a mind to benefit. Should a wilder need to go outside their band for something, that something is probably rare or a luxury that they cannot get elsewhere. Haggling is not only the norm, but expected. And while both parties tend to walk away satisfied, it is rare that the trade is perfectly equal in value. Technology. The biggest technological advance of the Wilders is their skill in weapon-making. Where other clans use their magical prowess to defend themselves, Wilders built bows, napped flint arrowheads, and affixed the first spearheads to staves. Though they had no more access to the bog iron than the other clans, they refined the art of forging and ironworks, 
creating swords and even smaller plates of armor, such as pauldrons and gauntlets. One thing that aided this was the innovation of incorporating bone into the forging, allowing the supply of precious bog iron to be stretched further. The development of the wheel has also been credited to the Wilders, given that their itinerant nature requires some means of moving people and goods across great distances. This invention is as old as the settling and predates the witching clans. In fact, many simple machines that were devised in those days, rudimentary pulley systems, wedges, levers, are attributed to the Wilders by default. Magic. The Wilders are unusual in that they are the only clan that does not claim a particular magical style or practice. It is not that they are incapable or that magic is forbidden, rather that they prefer to solve their problems by mundane means. For a Wilder, the emphasis is on pragmatism and practicality. Magic is viewed almost as something extraneous, almost frivolous. If something is worth doing, it is worth doing by hand, with the strength of one's own body and the sharpness of one's own mind. Wilder Bands A note from staff. There are countless bands among the Wilders, but listed below are a few prominent examples. When it comes time to make a character, please feel free to choose to belong to one of these or to submit your own for approval. Rillfolk This band is at home in the rivers of the bog. They make their homes aboard vessels cunningly crafted to be part boat, part permanent shelter. Trawling finely woven fishing nets behind them, the real folks spend their lives traversing the labyrinth of rivers and lakes that wend their way through the bog. They use enormous turtles as pack animals, and utilize spears and machetes to defend themselves from large aquatic snakes, gators, and carnivorous fish. Songs on the Wind Nearly wiped out during the breaking, the Songs on the Wind have been slowly recovering now that trade routes between the clans have opened up again. These wilders seek out the finest luxury goods, delicacies, and artisan crafts for trade, taking pride in the quality of their goods and guarding them fiercely from thieves. They boast some of the finest craftspeople, but also some of the best hagglers and salespeople. To announce their approach, they dress in bright colors and play boisterous music as they go. Footpads When traveling in the bog, one could pass the entire band of footpads and never even know it. Dressed in earthen colors, this band has mastered the art of moving without a sound and remaining unnoticed. Patient hunters, they can stalk their prey for days before making a move. It is their talent for hiding in plain sight that saw them through the breaking. Hands of You Home to bowers and fletchers of incredible talent, the Hands of You produce the most elite marksmen in the bog. This skill is trained for years until members of the band are keen of eye and steady of hand. First with thrown stones, then a sling, and finally the bow. It is said that a hand of you archer can shoot a dragonfly from its perch at 50 paces. Sparrow Friends Though still semi-nomadic, the Sparrow Friends spend more time sedentary than any other band. This band builds temporary treehouses anywhere they stop and are well-liked for their easygoing and amicable nature. During the summers, they also string up hammocks in which they rest. This peculiar, height-loving band has a fascination with birds and collects them for a variety of purposes. For eggs, feathers, songs, even raptors for hunting. Soaring Hearts Members of this band have an earned reputation for recklessness. Thrill-seekers of the most fearless sort, soaring hands chase anything that will give them that rush of adrenaline, from picking fights with monsters to leaping from bluffs. Soaring Hearts lead short and wild lives, often bearing scars or missing extremities. 
This personal value placed on Glory being well-remembered and having good stories to tell probably does not help. Diplomacy. The Kin. If we look upon any clan with pity and a measure of shame, it is the kin. In ages past, we could at least understand the closeness of their ties to one another. Their bloodlines were as our bands, families that gave each other succor and cheer, even if the baffling magic that bound them together gave us pause. It was for these binding ties that the other clans turned on them, fearing the strength that ran through their veins. Were they truly a threat to the rest? We cannot say. We watched as the kin were beaten down, enemies on every side, yet we did nothing. What could we have done? We had our own foes to contend with, our own survival to secure. We put ourselves first. It was not the honorable path we took, but the necessary one. Despite all they have suffered, the kin endured. For that steadfast defiance of death, they have earned our respect. Though their ways are strange and deviant to us, creating fire from nothing and transforming themselves into all manner of fearsome beasts, they live still, even when all the world sought their destruction. While they do, so too lives the chance for us to atone. The Rooted In another life, the Rooted might have been our cousins. They still remember what it is to love and fear the bog. Their lives are as intertwined with it as ours. They remember who they were even if they do not speak the names of their mother or their bands. Perhaps that is what stung us so. A people that otherwise perceived the world in which they lived but put down thirsty roots trying to drink deep of the power it could grant and fell from grace instead. They lost their way, and we lost mutual respect. As the wounds between our clans festered, we poached their animals, raided their storehouses, realizing too late the sicknesses of body and mind that infected everything that a rooted touched. And we paid dearly for that crime. There are some of us who would see the rooted reconciled, for the love of life and for the sake of the bond of kindred spirits that our clans once shared. With each passing year, our paths take us ever closer to the rooted territories, inching forward. We regard each other like a pair of wary beasts as we circle. But it wears on the soul. If we cannot approach each other as friends, we can at least do so as human beings. The Veilwalkers Of all the witching clans, the strangest magic that has been wrought is that of those who have touched the deathly waters, these Veilwalkers. Their stubborn refusal to let the dead lie is unsettling at best and mind-bendingly terrifying at worst. We believed we were stronger, that our numbers protected us. But when we found ourselves standing in the way of their wrath, we were sickened to realize that it was our own honored dead that they had set against us. Not merely the bodies of those who fell in raids against their townships, but the spirits of our ancestors as well. The most powerfully cruel of these witches made a point to seek out the souls of beloved grandparents, ripping them from the peace beyond the veil and driving them into the homes of their children. They haunted families until their minds broke before sending in their undead hordes to clean up the mess they left behind. When the Wilders speak of the atrocities of the breaking, we speak of a fear that scars the heart. These days, to trust a Veilwalker is to ask much. Yet, they have come to us seeking trade, seeking to make amends. The power has shifted among them. And those that now lead seek to curb the violence, impose law on their witches, and prevent the monsters that stalked our knights from ever rising again. Some of our number whisper, suspecting treachery. But the world is changing. The only way to survive is to change with it. 
If that should mean a fragile peace or an uneasy friendship, we will take the hand we are offered. The Watchers The arrogance of the Watchers is like a rock in one's boot. Maddeningly irritating. Even before there was blood between us, there was contempt. They made no attempts to hide their disrespect, nor we ours. They saw us as ignorant, barely above the ground we walked upon, and we watched them reach for something so far beyond their ken that they courted disaster, if not kissed her outright. We gave them warning. We told them what would happen if they moved against their fellow clans. They laughed in our faces, so secure in the superiority of their auguries and their prophecies. So we shook our heads and washed our hands of them. For a time, watcher lands became easy pickings for us for we did not care about the resentment we were sowing between us. As far as we were concerned, they had brought it upon themselves in their pride. Since the breaking has drawn to a close, the Watchers have been humbled. We see them reaching out in humility and wonder if the lesson has finally been learned. For the first time in generations, perhaps we have finally earned some measure of respect in their eyes. Perhaps at long last, they have stopped looking up and begun to look around. If that is true then there may be some hope for them yet. The Circle After generations of violence, bloodshed, and abominable cruelty, the clans have sheathed their weapons, ceased their dire enchantments, and brokered a gossamer truce. Our people, though wary and many times bitten, have breathed in relief, eager for a peace that no living wilder has ever known. This alliance that the witches have wrought, this circle, may very well bring them together, but what place will the Wilders have in that new world? In ages past we shun them and their witching ways. But if we join in with their compact, what might we weave? The days of standing to the side are over. For good or ill, it is time for us to step forward and demand a say in the future of the bog. <laughs>